The Raw Rugby Podcast. Welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. We've now done a month's worth of episodes thanks to the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate and your home of the biggest and best rugby discussion kicking around. Thanks for having your say on last week's episode. The question of which teams will miss the Super Rugby Pacific top eight is one that we're absolutely going to revisit. And there was some interesting follow-up to our chat um, last week on just two of us, Sheck as well. And um, if there's a question of or issue or anything like that that you want us to, to tackle, then of course, leave us a comment under the new episode page every Wednesday on the Raw or hit us up on the socials or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me once again, um, but from an unknown location in the UK somewhere, I believe, it's hello, hello to my enthusiastic co-host of the Raw Rugby Podcast, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. Where are you dialing in from this week? Fred, Fred, how are you? And it's very good to see you again. Uh, it's become like uh, a habit now, you know, pod number four mm. and i don't even know what i don't know what life was like before i was uh, talking to you from <laughs> everywhere around the world I, I hey listen you. i am i am in the great london town but i'm gonna meet uh roar extraordinaire the uh, the great nick the arch archbishop of rugby i'm meeting him at an undisclosed location in wales this week oh uh, very good he he he, it's like anything with nick you know to, to actually meet him He's given me diagrams and maps and schematics, and I have to figure it out. It's like a fortune kind of. I don't know what I'm. I'm, I'm looking for yeah. at the end of a trail with a dragon. Turn right at the dragon. Yeah. So and, and when you, and when you get there, it'll just be a plaque that says, "G'day, Harry. I actually live in Germany." Will <laughs> <laughs> do. <laughs> Joke will be on yeah, you. I, I understand that Nick is a very reclusive guy, so this is exclusive. Uh, it's, it's our only our pod has him it's amazing actually well, to have him. we haven't actually got him yet so let's let's hold off on that until we do perhaps dude i'm gonna get him okay Don't all right worry. i'll leave that with you yeah. I'll, I'll leave that with you uh we do before we need to, to, to kick on we do from a an australian sport point of view need to um just pay it's still it's still shock that shane warne is no longer with us and you know shane warne and rugby did not go together but his passing on the Australian sporting landscape has just been an absolute shock this weekend, and particularly coming out of the day after Rod Marsh has died as well. And the difference between the two is that whilst Rod Marsh and Dennis Lilly and the Chapels were, were the guys that people my age saw on TV when we were kids, Shane Warne was like, I'm, I'm only, I was 16 or 17 when Shane Warne made his test debut. So we were all playing cricket by then. He didn't get us into cricket, but Everyone my age wanted to be Shane Warren at some point. And so um, I'm sure the shock and everything that I felt on Sunday morning when I um, when I discovered the news is is shared well and truly around the Australian sporting landscape and certainly the, uh, the international cricket world as well. Mate, um, round three of Super Rugby Pacific saw a bit of history made with the Fijian and Drua recording their first ever win at this level, managing the game perfectly um, in the end to beat the Melbourne Rebels on the Sunshine Coast, whilst Moana Pacifica surprised pretty much everyone in putting up an absolutely fantastic debut performance against the Crusaders. Elsewhere, it was wins to the Queensland Reds and the Brumbies, which extended their unbeaten start. The Hurricanes were too good for the Highlanders. And the Blues, for a change, didn't bugger up my tips despite their best efforts. Uh, there is... A lot to talk about, Harry, but I'm going to kick us off with a couple of the tries of the week. Now McClutchy, a chance to run out of the lane. Look at McClutchy's through. 
Here they come, the one up for I just needed some support. Dragged down inside the 22. But it's still alive for Amua. Getting the leg drive going. Big numbers to the right. Here they come. Moana Pacifica, Tawala, shifting it on. They're going to score. Solomone Funaki. First try in Super Rugby for Moana Pacifica. And it goes to Solomon Funaki. Romano driving ahead, but then losing the ball. Snapped up by Brad Weber. And he thumps it away into open spaces behind the Blues. And it's going back for it. Well, initially it was, well, it's been lost and it's been picked up by Brad Weber and he's going to score. Well, the Bruce looked like they had it covered at the back. Awful bounce and the man in his 100th game cashes in with the try. Well, Hoskinson Tutu thought he had it covered, but the ball had other ideas and so too did Brad Weber. Advantage seven, slowing the ball down. Here's Tupo. Tupo. It's quick ball. O'Connor again. Dribbles it in behind. There it is for Fluke. What a finish. Brilliant from the Queensland Reds. So it's just Harry and I this week, but this actually gives us a chance to put our thinking caps on, mate. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this. This will be good, won't it? Yeah, we're going to dig in. No distracting guests. <laughs> 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 that's what it is. That's what it is. And Jamie Wall, if you're listening, um, you know, certainly don't take it personally that we had no guests after you've come on as well. <laughs> but let's start where we always start, mate. What stood out for you on the weekend? Yeah. So one of those tries, Brad Weber was on fire. And, yeah. In his 100th uh, he, game he, for the Chiefs as well. He, he kind of reminds me of a lumberjack or a lawyer, someone who just kills kills trees, you know? I don't know. But he, he looks very cheeky when he scores too. <laughs> no, uh, for me, you know, it was it was an amazing weekend. I thought, um, obviously, we have to start with the Drua because it's historic. It doesn't. It's it's a big thing to come into an established competition and do that. And and also, they kicked a lot. They played proper rugby. I think some of the stereotypes about uh, they're gonna they're just gonna throw five thousand yeah. offloads. It didn't really come true. Well, let's so let's let's touch on that because the, the two big differences in this week in their game against the Rebels to the week before against the Brumbies was that a Caleb Munts didn't get knocked out, you know, half an hour in, so he actually played the game out and he's got a decent kicking game on him. But in the second half, they brought Teddy Teller on, um, who's player has played for the Reds, um, has certainly played a lot of NRC for Queensland Country and maybe even Brisbane City as well. He might have played for both Queensland teams, um, but he's his kicking game and his kicking off the off the tee in the second half was, I think, the difference between the, the, the Drua winning this game and not. Yeah, I, I totally believe. I think it's a mature performance. Mm. Um, I mean, to me, you know, on the, on the other side of it, the Rebels only built, I think, 55 rucks or moles. That was the total platform for attack. And as we know, um, you have to have some lineouts and you preferably have those lineouts, you know, in the 22 of your opponent. The Rebels were not building much of that. And mm. so... You know, I I know I compared jokingly Michael Wells to a Jesuit priest, but in the uh, the aftermath, it's like he actually sounded like one. You know, he said he talked about men against boys. He talked about you know they were too good. We allowed them to take the direction of the game. It was actually very interesting to see him um, take it on the chin. But I mean, fantastic show. Drew, you know, is they they're here, and I think you had talked them up before the began because you'd watched every game they played in the domestics. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd seen 
enough and saw how quickly they gelled at NRC level a couple of years ago. Um, and and they were always in and around the top four. And indeed, they won the they won the competition their second year. So it, it didn't surprise me that they. And I wrote before like the week of the first season. I, I think I said I'd. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they won in the first month. Um, after the first showing, I said I'll probably need to extend that to six weeks. But it didn't surprise me at all that, that they right. won. And 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 their their performance against the Rebels was better than their performance against the Brumbies which was better than the performance against the Waratahs the first week. So they've been building nicely every game. Um, and, you know, things just set up nicely now, really, for um, for, for this week um, in in Brisbane um, against the Queensland Reds, which where I'm sure if the weather allows, it'll be a fantastic crowd. Yeah, I think so. And their brethren, uh, the Moana Pacifica, uh, we, have to, we have to talk about them as well. Um, they looked really good against the Crusaders. Yeah, I think they're, they did. they're 10, 12, 10, 12, 13. Just give them, give them more ball. They would, yeah. they're going to smash some teams once they get going. Yeah. I, I thought it was, it was interesting that uh, Christian Liliafano came on. Oh, it was either very early in the second half or maybe even just before half time, And that just gave them a little bit extra. In, in, in attack, it just gave them a little bit more shape, and they looked really good. And they looked really good against the Crusaders. So I reckon they're going to be all right. And they looked uh, conditioned. You know, yeah. I think some people were were thinking that they would come in a little bit unfit. They looked very fit. It was a good defeat. I, do, I, I was yeah. was thinking I was thinking about you though because I, I think you, you claimed that fourteen of you of you laid laws could actually bring down Taniela Tupo. Tupo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Moana Pacifica had, I think they attempted 241 tackles. In yeah, the game. right. Can you imagine? That's a lot. I mean, next week, it's brutal for next week. There's, there's, so. not, enough, there's not enough laid laws in the world for 240 tackles. That's, that's crazy, isn't it? So, look, it was, it was really encouraging. There was, if I can go back to the Endura for a, for a quick minute, there was a, a bit of discussion post-match and... and um, Michael Checker was saying particularly that, he, that he, he couldn't think off the top of his head how long it took the other um, expansion teams to, to win their first game. And, and he was certainly alluding to, you know, the Western Force and the Sunwolves, and that's certainly quite true. The Force took 12 games, the Sunwolves took eight to, to win theirs. Uh, but the history of expansion teams and winning is actually pretty good. <laughs> the, the, the Cheaters took three games, and from memory, they actually won maybe four of their first six or seven after that. So they, they did quite well. The Indrua have now taken three games. The Melbourne Rebels won their second game against the Brumbies down in Melbourne, it was. And the um, the the Kings and the Haguars both won on debut. So, you know, there's a little bit of a history lesson for you. Yeah, it's actually a very interesting point you, you make there. Uh, and the Cheetahs were traditionally very good at winning on the road too, which helped. Mm. I think in this new comp, maybe this, you know that that doesn't play as much. I mean, the Sun Wolves, Haguara yeah. is talking about a very big home and away situation, whereas yeah. Drua are very comfortable. I think in in your yeah. parks, they've they've been they've been in Australia since early November. They did their whole preseason on the New South Wales North Coast. So yeah, the, you're right. The Andrua are just uh, are comfortable, and they're getting into the grind of of professional rugby. And I said to Mick Byrne on the field on on our ABC Sport call after the Brumbies game. I just said, you know, how are they? 
adapting now and how they like it's 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 one thing to go through a preseason it's one thing to get used to the idea of training professionally and all that but now that they're actually into it how are they going with the whole you know train travel play recover travel play you know how are they getting into that in that week-to-week grind now and he said well that's the next challenge like we've been training for months and we're all and we're fine at that the challenge now and it'll be the same for moana pacifica the challenge now is how quickly they can adapt and how, how quickly they can build that routine about train, travel, play, recover. Fred, it's the same thing for us, you and I, you know, we have yeah, a pod, we have to recover now. It's, yeah. uh, you know, we had, we were, I think we're number one in Singapore. I think we're number five in France, but how do we recover Yeah, you know, every week? The grind, you know, we're big in Hong Kong too. Don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> we, will, we will we will we will touch on charts later don't worry about that so it's it is it is really interesting the the table i find fascinating and i've been saying from the outset that my gut feel this year is that from five to maybe ten i think on the table is going to be really tight so at the moment the crusaders the brumbies reds um are, are unbeaten so they're, they're the top three teams but then the Hurricanes, the Waratahs, the Force, the Chiefs, the Blues, and the Andrua, so that's fourth down to ninth, are all within one win of each other. And I know that we've only had three games and three rounds, and and the Blues have only played, and the Chiefs, in fact, have only played two games. But um, it's, it's starting to play out like I thought it would. And it's going to be really interesting because wins that you can post against those mid-table teams uh, are going to be worth double almost this year yeah and that's why the, the blues escape uh over the the chiefs was actually big yes i think uh you look at that match and, and later on in the season maybe you go back to it um similarly i think the hurricanes dispatching the highlanders these types of games are setting uh up um you know if, if the one of the questions is will there be a kiwi team that actually struggles to make it it's those two matches you might look back on mm. I actually, to speak about that, I, I wanted to say one person that's standing out for me pretty early on is Stephen um, Parafetta, the yeah. Kalanaki yeah. playmaker. He looks very smooth. Blues um, fullback, I'd yeah. Almost, yeah. I'd almost put him into, into the position of, you know, if Damian McKenzie doesn't make it back, this is someone they could groom. Um, you know, he's, he really he puts people in. You know, he puts people yeah. into space and and sees the game very well for a young guy. I did feel for the young Gatland missing that yeah. tough but makeable penalty. Yeah, horrible. yeah, it wasn't. It felt like the pressure of the moment got to him, and and he didn't hit the post. Right. But there had been two others in that game hit the post. There was uh, one of the other games. One of the Australian games maybe had a heap of ball. I I, I reckon there was four or five kicks at goal this weekend hit the post. And I, I I don't know what it is. Is it is it the new Super Rugby Pacific Gilbert? You know, are they flying through the air differently to the out of that ball in New Zealand and they've got post magnets in them or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good stat to keep though. Although I think Reese Hodge is mm. the, the champion of hitting the post. Yeah. And hey, he hits hey, the Tommy. post hard. <laughs> Clang. Tell me, tell me about <laughs> your brother, your, your brum. Tell me about your Brumbies, though. I mean, this was yeah. this was also a hang on, bitterly hanging on at the finish. At, I, the, at the fortress, yeah, at the fortress, um, yeah, at the fortress, which was quite wet, quite, quite, quite wet. Um, and I reckon, 
like yeah, twenty seven ten sounds like it was a really good game, and it was. It was a really good game. Like it was one of the more enjoyable Hume Highway derbies in the last few years. But you know, will if, if Will Harris doesn't run that try in the last six minutes, then it's you know it's twenty seven fourteen. So like I think, I think twenty seven fourteen is probably a better indication of that game than twenty seven twenty is. I don't know. I think the Tars are really, they started out bad. They exited badly. And this is, to me, I always look at Australian teams and I watch their exits. Um, but then I think they kind of pulled their socks up and fought back. I do think they need polish, um, but they have the spirit. Yep. And I'm, I'm calling them the mighty, mighty Tars. Maybe I should say the almost, but not quite mighty Tars. But they, you know, they were smashing your guys for yeah. a while. There was some yeah. real it was, physical It was contacts. really physical. Really physical. Big big ball carriers, Rob Bellatini, uh, Angus Bell, Will Harris. Um, uh, I mean, really serious collisions. Yeah. It was good to see. Val- Valentini was great. I reckon that was his best game of the year. Um, I reckon it was Ira Simone's best game, you know, for yeah. a, a good period of time as well. Um, but for the for the Waratah, like Donaldson impresses again for the Waratahs. Um, Harris's ball carrying is really good. I'd like him to do a little bit more in defence. Um, but Angus Bell, I mean, my goodness, hasn't he taken a step on? It's been, it's been great. And then, you know, sitting in the background, the Queensland Reds are just going about their job. And, you know, they beat the force pretty well in the end, but there were numerous occasions that they should have shelled tries in that first half. And that was a cracking game in Perth. It really was. Yeah, but Brumbies is that kind of team. And I, I know I, mm. I tweeted this in the week about they're like the elder sibling. They don't, they just kind of <laughs> do everything kind of right and, and they don't get the right press. They, they never make a big, crazy mm. splash. But I did like, there's one young guy you had on, uh, Luke, I forgot his last name, uh, Open Cider. That came Luke Rama. Yeah, Luke yeah, Rama. He's, he's a very he's, good, he's a good, um, tough, physical, old school number seven. I'm not at all surprised that. That you like him, oh, he's he yeah. is absolutely in your in your wheelhouse of a flanker. No, he looked very good. So yeah, what what are the other Australian matches? Um, the Reds in a force. We have to touch on them, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like I said, you know, the Reds the Reds did enough to win. Um, Jeff Parks wrote that great rap on Monday, and he called it a the masterclass, and and that's what it was. It was a real classic old school number ten controlling the game, wasn't it? And I kind of just had yeah. he was just he was a he was a step ahead of the force. He you know like the first half like the Reds were only they only made two two attacks in the in the force 22 and they scored tries both times and they led 14 nil. So you know yeah and that and that's the thing hey eh? so for the Reds they they kept ticking you know I think the longest period of time in the match they didn't score was 18 minute chunk. Mm. Um, and I, I like to see that about teams they're just scoring every 10 minutes. Yeah something a three a five keep, a seven keep- Keep the scoreboard ticking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. for the force, I think that's the issue. They, I mean, they're tough as hell. They, they um, sometimes they could be passive sometimes on on in defense, but then they come back, you know, roaring. But they just, to me, they don't build enough rucks. Yeah. Um, I think they built fifty three, and so this is something I'm looking at. You know, there's no zip. That's not enough for Super Rugby. If you yeah. build fifty uh, rucks, that's like 1987 rugby. Yeah. You know, it, it's just it's just not enough. And, and and missing a lot of tackles. And even if they're they're fighting and they're tough, they're missing too many tackles to win. It's an ugly win for the Reds, and and maybe that's what the the Reds are doing this year. They're just winning ugly, and conceding lots of penalties, which may mm. come back to bite them. 
yeah, it, it, it could do against the against the good goal kicking teams, and which you know almost brings us back to full circle. It was it's interesting that if a team like the Fijian in Drua are recognised in three weeks that there's games to be won kicking kickable penalties, then you know that's that's a really interesting right. development in the in the in the competition, isn't it? Yeah, and, and but Brett, I do have a question uh, that oh. was posed to me by one of our friends, uh, Machuka the Chuk. Uh, he said, why was the baby Jesus not allowed to be born in Queensland? Do you know? That's it's getting a bit philosophical, isn't it? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. It's because they couldn't find three wise men or a virgin in Queensland. <laughs> Just a little aside from a chuka like me. Oh, that's a great way to end the first part. The so, mate, what do you? You've thrown some really good numbers in there, and there's obviously things that you're looking at. So, what are you seeing in the Super Rugby Pacific stats so far after three rounds? What's what's jumping out at you? Yeah, so obviously in rugby we have twenty-two-ness. I mean, everything that really happens mm. in the scoring is when you enter the twenty-two. If we're really honest, even though we love to watch the tries where we have fifteen offloads, seventeen phases, mm. or the the, the Damien McKenzie run back from, from 70 meters out, most tries, the, the, the majority of tries come, I think it's, it's a, a massive majority, comes from building an attack within the 22. So for me, when I look at rugby stats and I look at the, the rugby match itself and the, and, the, and the flow of it, I'm always looking for how many times you got in, how many times were you in the 22, yeah. and, what, and what did you do there? And so everything needs to be, I mean, the, the denominator needs to be about about your success rate uh, per minute, per carry, per 22. So I think stats in rugby often fall into the problem of having an an all-match number, but it's never divided by the carry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So so to me, that's what I would look for. But when I see that now, I see that some of the teams like the Highlanders, the force, they're struggling to build any platform at all inside the 22 of their opponent. So, you know, I don't know what kind of combo stat that would be but actual entries, points per entry, um, and so forth. You look at the good teams, the Crusaders, it's so annoying how many times they convert mm. when they get into that area. But um, yeah, no, I, th- I think when you look at the, the match as a whole, you're looking at the, the big trends. Super Rugby mirrors what, what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere. Yep. You have um, a lot more carries. You have a lot more tackles. You have a lot more rocks. The teams that can form those seem to be doing well. Um, the ball and play is, is getting very high. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think maybe turnovers per tackle is something I look for. Um, I think um, defenders beaten per carry. Yeah. Some of the really good players look like they, they just brush people aside, tries per break, finish your breaks. Um, that's why we love the French right now, right? Because they're finishing their breaks. Yeah. And there's some, and there's um, some incredible numbers floating around about their efficiency exactly as you say that they're the number of times they're converting an entry into the opposition 22 into points of some sort exactly like you say three five seven whatever it is um and 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 also they they don't fall so they're number five in the six nations and i think the super rugby teams can look at the six nations because it's a compact uh tournament with very comparable stats but if you look at what the french do they don't they don't carry that much. They're thinking they kick a lot. Carries. They're kicking ridiculous amounts. Yeah. They refuse to play in the wrong area. And then when they get in the right area, they switch. Boom. Yeah. And 
this is not by mistake. It's not just running good no. support. And it's they yeah. actually have a plan. They, New Zealand won three World Cups like that. Yeah, waiting for the turnover. So I think yeah. I think in super super rugby, I am looking for who's getting the turnovers and what they're doing with them. And then also how many turnovers do you make per tackle? You know, so yeah. your tackles need to result in turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. What do, what do you reckon then is a is a good or a bad number of turnovers for if for for a team? I mean, so let me let me let me let me add let me add to that. There's been a couple of yeah. A couple of times that I've spoken to to coaches this year, and, and Mick Byrne was, was one of them um, just, just recently, as I mentioned. Um, and he made mention of we've probably conceded more than 20, 20 turnovers again. And that figure of 20 seems to be, like if, you, if you're plus or minus, that seems to be the benchmark. But if you're below that, you're pretty happy. Um, and conversely, if you force more than 20 from a team, you'd be absolutely wrapped. Yeah, I, I looked at that stat, and I think the Reds were the only one who defied that stat. Yeah, in right. general, you're, you're exactly right. The Reds, you know, maybe it's because Brad Thorne is the is is um, has some special potion. But I don't know, but they are able to win in a strange way. But most teams, if you lose twenty two turnovers, you're on the back foot. Yeah, no doubt. What's what's a what's a stat that you reckon would be really useful that we just don't see? Um, I mean, to me, it's, it's kind of strange that it's, um, I think maybe, um, you look at each team and how they score. I'm much more interested in their efficiency within their, the system they have. Okay. For yeah. Brumbies, they have to originate from line out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not even speaking of more. I'm just saying that that's the platform they use. Whereas Crusaders score like 30 off turnovers, 30 off, uh, scrums, which yeah. is weird. And then, and then 40 off line outs. So instead of commentators looking at a stat that's supposed to hold for every team, recognize that every team has its style. They come yeah, in with their yeah, game yeah. plan yeah. and evaluate how efficient the Crusaders were today yeah. on their scrums. Um, so and I also think a combo plus minus stat would be good in the NBA. They, they configure a team and they, they literally have a complete um, plus minus when you have this guy playing with this guy, with yeah. LeBron James playing with this yeah. no-name guy that you don't know, but somehow it brings the best out of him in a number of minutes. I think there's something that uh, the Kiwis might do on this. I, I suspect them, the Kiwis, mm. of having this stat in, in their bunker and really understanding who plays well with who and, and keep that stat. So I, I'd love to mm. see that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's, and that's, and we've, we should acknowledge that there is, for all the stats that, that are available publicly on public facing websites yeah. and and generally speaking there's only a couple of different sets of stats around the world but what we see is only a fraction of what the teams see so we might see a figure like missed tackles for example and see that a team the melbourne rebels for example missed 25 tackles on the weekend against the um, against the rebels and that on its own looks terrible but they might have a have a number that goes with that that says they were you know, they, they were able to slow down three out of 10 Fijian rucks, for example. So they might have missed the tackle, but they got enough of a hold on a guy to slow him down, which then enabled, you know, a back row to get in on ball. And, and you yeah, know, the missed tackle actually wasn't a bad thing. So yeah, it's a classic, it's, it's a classic example. So, like uh, Michael Hooper, he flies yeah. out, he, he pushes the play downfield, he misses the tackle. He, he brushes the leg, falls off. Doesn't matter. That's not a bad yeah. missed tackle. He's pushed the whole thing. Peter Steph to toy. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So 
it's interesting. Yeah, I think it is that's, interesting. that's one of those kind of useless stats when you look just at missed tackles. Yeah. And I think the game, the shape of the game has changed so much as well. So it's yeah. difficult for the statisticians to keep up. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. And look, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, in New Zealand this weekend. The, the Hurricanes have admitted already early in the week that COVID is in our environment was the words that they use. So their game... Uh, this weekend um, is is potentially in danger already. Their women's team has had to pull out of the first round of uh, Super Rugby or Piki uh, in New Zealand, which their women's competition was already pushed back a week with cases in other teams. So we 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 need to we need to keep an eye on on that game, um, particularly this weekend. Uh, they're playing Moana Pacifica in Wellington. Um, quickly, what are you looking for this weekend? Well, actually, one of the stats you talked about, you know, turnovers lost. Highlanders uh, lost 21 turnovers is, is what I saw. So I think they have to clean that up. Um, they're just not good enough to survive that. Um, I, I do think um, they're up against the Blues who will give them some sort of opportunity. So I'm looking at that match uh, with with some excitement. And I think um, I think I'm interested in the Satyrs against the Chiefs, you know, Yep. Um, Chiefs really are facing that moment in their season where they have to find a win yeah, pretty quickly. They do. They are. And, and then I think the, the big one, of course, uh, for me is um, the mighty, mighty, almost mighty, but not quite mighty Tars going to yeah. face the centrifugal force because this match really is going to push someone down yep. the ladder. I completely agree. Completely agree. It's Both teams will feel like they're playing better than their one and two record currently shows. Um, and they will both be really desperate to, to get a result out of that. So that's going to be absolutely fascinating. No, no question about it. The Roar. Penultimate round of the Six Nations is this weekend. Um, Harry, you are going to be our man on the ground for this. Wales, France in Cardiff, you'll be there. Italy, Scotland in Rome, you won't be there, but you will be at England, Ireland at Twickenham. That's... There's, you're finding unknown studios and unknown budget that I didn't know this podcast had. I've got to say, Brett, you just have to do, and then and then and then you just now I in, right? now I know yeah. how you sent invoices to both sides of the Rassi Erasmus thing. <laughs> you're very horse persuasive. Ride, horse, horse ride in Wales, forty-seven pounds. <laughs> wow! So, uh, so I was actually looking for uh, before the, the the Six Nations kicked off. I was looking forward to some sort of Welsh reality check on the French machine. Yeah. I've been writing about the French machine because it's fascinating how they're playing rugby. It's uh, the French always do something a little different, but instead of being the flair and all this, they're actually playing a very old school mm. hard nose. Yeah. One might say a little bit Bach type, right? Uh, yeah, that's uh, style. And because the French are playing, it's okay. The box did it. It's boring. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> True. So uh, I think I'm a little disappointed because I don't know if the Welsh have the firepower. I don't However, think principalities friday night yeah a bunch of juiced up boyos this could be fun and um and so I, i'm interested maybe just to go see how the french look live and how the mm. shape of sending their big locks and props shooting yeah. up the line is going to look and then a twickenham i mean that's going to be that's the box office that's i always I, I circled that match and said probably that has you know title implications and indeed neither one of those teams can lose mm. and win so it's it's a must win and eddie has been playing games and talking rubbish uh, for the for about a year now, and so he's he had, has to at some point beat someone yeah. in a big match. Eddie Eddie's had a pot shot at Dave Rennie this week. It, like, 
mate, pick your lane. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense at all. Um, Super Rugby Round 4 this week, as we've mentioned, kicks off with the the Blues and Highlands up in Whangarei. Uh, the Rebels taking on the Melbourne, the, uh, the Brumbies down in Melbourne on Friday night. The Hurricanes and Moana Pacifica will put an asterisk next to that. That's uh, Wellington Saturday afternoon. The Crusaders Chiefs we've touched on. The Reds and the Fijian in Drua in Brisbane on Saturday night. And then the Waratahs and the Force um, are in Sydney on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I mentioned last week the launch of Wallabies Watch and Attention All Blacks. Um, I've got a nice new Wallaby jacket on, so you pick the All Blacks. Who's, who's an All Black player that you think Ian Foster should have an eye on? You know, new, mate, like uncapped or potentially only a couple of caps, who's someone? I think I like this guy, Ethan the Hruitt. Yeah. I'm going to give it the South African pronunciation. Nice. I like which that. means the which means the big, so it's it's a good prop name <laughs> yeah. uh, for the Highlanders. Yeah. And then I, I also like the Chiefs lock, Josh Lord. I think that yeah. New Zealand has to have, you know, you have to go to the World Cup with five, maybe five yeah. locks, and so um, I, I think that's a good one. It feels like there's a bit of a change in the guard there in in all black in Kiwi locks, doesn't it? Yeah, like it's, they, it's they not need, just they, it's not just going to be white lock and retallic anymore. No, and also I don't really have a lot of faith in Tupeloto in at the test level. Wonderful yeah. club player, but I think they need someone with a little more punch. I, I've I've said Shannon Frizzell has that good rage. I think the tight forwards for the All Blacks are the ones that are getting beaten up yeah. lately. That's who they need is someone who's going to come bring it. Yeah, right. I'm I'm really impressed with Jock Campbell, the Reds fullback this year. I really am. There's there's been so much talk about Jordan. Pattaya playing fullback and that's a silly idea for a number of different reasons but the prime reason is that Jock Campbell is a better fullback and he's shown it every week this 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 season so far is his run meters the work that he does the position on the field he's got a good kicking boot his instincts are good um, he's got a bit of playmaking about him he's a good support player um, I, I think I think this might yeah, be the, the he's year. good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's gonna good. be it's gonna be really good. So there you go, Dave Rennie and what, about, what about your uh, what about your number twelve, Simone? You were talking about. I think he's a good guy. With subtle yeah. hands. He has clever tackler. I think he interests he's, uh, defenders. You know, he's good. I think he's underrated, um, but it also feels like at the moment there's a there's a perception in Australian rugby that your twelve needs to be Samu Karevi, basically. And I think personally that's madness for a number of reasons that I've written over the past six months. But anyway, the Brumbies are really happy with with um, Simone. Like I said, I'm sure he played his best game of the weekend for a, for a good while and they will be quite happy if he keeps flying under the radar. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, mate, that would just about do us for episode four of the Raw Rugby podcast. You can find both Harry and I on the socials, um, as you know, and don't forget to have your say and leave any questions on the Raw when the new episode page lands. Um, and don't forget to check out another week of Super Rugby Tipping where suddenly it's very crowded at the top of the standings. We mentioned charts before. We are suddenly somehow big in Singapore. We're big in Hong Kong. We're doing all right in France. We're pretty much the number one rugby podcast in Australia, the the, the Apple podcast rugby charts seem to be dominated by league chat, which is 
madness. But anyway, so thanks to everyone who's who's listened, who's dropped us a note, who tells us they like it. Um, haven't heard too much otherwise, which is always good. So it's 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 great to know. We're glad you're enjoying it because we're certainly having fun uh, putting it together. The pod is on all the major platforms now. So like, follow, subscribe, do whatever you need to do to ensure the new episode drops into your notifications as soon as it goes live. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week uh, on the raw.com.au Australia's biggest sporting debate and your home of your favourite rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. Come play with us.